What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Raw Select Music. And this is the Super Sonio Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome, one and all. You're listening to another episode of the Blue in Green uh, podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name's Imran. These podcast episodes run in conjunction with the online internet radio station, uh, Blue in Green Radio. We'd love for you to check us out at www.blueingreenradio.com. And uh, very happy uh, to have your company on today's episode, which finds us venturing back to Niigata, Japan, to speak to our friend Sean Sophia. Uh, and uh, the creator and host and presenter of Raw Select Music, which airs on Blue and Green Radios on Wednesdays. Um, uh, and, you know, today's is kind of cool because we're talking about basically the ever-expansion of his brand. Uh, on previous episodes, we've discussed his radio show, his uh, his website, his YouTube channel. And uh, on this episode, we're talking about the expansion of Raw Select into podcasts and uh uh, gig nights as well uh, that he's uh, going to start hosting again in Japan so it's very very cool I always enjoy uh, talking music with uh, Sean uh, we kind of have a lot of similar interests and I think we look at music in the same way we're both uh, fairly geeky uh, nerdy type fans as well so I really enjoy um, taking the time to, to chat with him regular listeners of these podcasts will know that we play two songs uh, on each episode uh, our guest picks the closing number sean has a dynamite track um, to present for you guys later on at the end of the show however me i get the pleasure of picking our opening song which we're going to go to right now we're going to pick a track from the brand new rubber dope records release uh, great friends uh, to to us our station uh, as well joe pinato uh, heading up the brilliant uh, albany new york musical jazz collective of bright dog red uh, we've interviewed uh, joe for the website we've uh, had a podcast episode with joe pinato from march in 2019 where we discussed their debut record with rope dope uh, means to the ends and we discussed their uh, brand new record which has just come out just come out uh, it's called House by you it's uh, again available in Ropadope it's it's brilliant they're an improv jazz group who uh, literally get into a studio and uh, create music on the spur of the moment and I think that that's exciting it's inspirational it's petrifying <laughs> and uh, it's, it's excellent it breeds some just wonderful wonderful stuff and uh, yeah we're, we're fans of them on the station and uh, always want to do our best to to wave the flag uh, for the brilliant bright dog red so we're going to play a track for you right now from the new album the song i'm picking is called uh by you by you uh and not to add further confusion to it it's from the album house by you um so i hope you'll be hope you enjoy the song hope you'll be inclined to check out the project 
as well you can visit uh, Bright Dog Red's Bandcamp page uh, to get uh, purchases and to flick through all the songs and uh, see how awesome it is um, uh, so yeah I very much hope you'll enjoy the episode uh, with Sean today and uh, that you'll you'll come back these podcast episodes are, are released on the first second and third Mondays of each month so uh, we'll always look forward to your company and you can find us at www.blueandgreenradio.com uh, heading over to uh, Albany New York now for Bright Dog Red and then we'll go straight to our conversation with Sean hope you enjoy the show The kindness can be too small I've been chatting, flirting, working Took my time for a while Surrounded by rats Not the cool ones at malls I mean my ego and it They both evolve They move on They never do stall They take a time Take a minute Catch a breather They say you take a break, it only makes you weaker But I need to kick it Relax with some folks on my blocks Where we can bitch about cops who give out tickets No need to loiter No need to keep it moving Either we just stuck in limbo Getting lower, getting lower I can't pass the bar Feel like a drinker Cause I cannot pass the bar Probably overthinker Stuck and do the chronic But you just gotta take a breather Relax for a while See how your neighbor doing See what's your flavor switching You always gotta over-eager Taste bud that be into The latest flavor The King Crusader he be rolling through Cause I gotta kick my back Like back is where they holding you You gotta wave, say hello Say hi, how are you 
I'ma take a trip to the deep southern bayou It's kinda close to you, it's near to you, it's kinda by you There's a bayou bayou, a bayou bayou Good morning, or good evening for you, I guess well, I don't know. We've just I've just gone past midnight, so I think it is good morning. Yeah, no, for I you. actually you're right. I think technically it is good morning for you. Yeah, it is. How are you? Doing all right. Got my coffee in yeah. me, so definitely doing a lot better. Yeah, me too. It's midnight, obviously, for me, uh, uh, London. It's eight a.m. for you in Niigata, Japan. This is yes. a, a a particularly early start, I would imagine, for a Sunday morning for you. I, well, not necessarily. The only, the only, I think in general, usually because my work schedule has me waking up like around eight o'clock most, most of the week, I'm kind of used to being up around this time. But it seems a little cruel for a Sunday. <laughs> it's just what my body does. I usually wake up after seven or eight hours automatically. Right. And you're not pulling yourself out of bed after another beer festival. Uh, that's, no, I'm not that's pulling myself out of another. I'm not pulling myself out of uh, another beer festival, but I am pulling myself out of uh, one of Japan's glorious, uh, gl- glorious things that are only Japan, and that okay. would be, and that would be what is uh, referred to as nomi hodai. Right, which, uh, which would translate to... to all you can drink. <laughs> Where did you go to 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 receive an all you can drink invitation? Well, it, it's pretty common in most restaurants around Japan. Most restaurants, izakayas, or the Japanese pub, as it's commonly translated to. They will generally have a nomi hodai option, which kind of makes the staff's lives a little bit easier, and they'll give you a menu, and you pretty much can order as much as you want for a set amount of time off of that menu. Wow. It's uh, it's not so nice to deliver, I gotta tell you. <laughs> I can imagine, but it sounds like a fun night. Oh, it was, it was a lot of fun. To answer your question, we ended up going to, of all things, because this is the these are the kind of places that my friends like. Ended up going to a Mexican restaurant in Niigata. Okay, particularly terrible Mexican restaurant in Niigata. <laughs> is it staffed good. by Japanese uh, chefs, or is it a, 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 is there a oh, strong Mexican contingent? Pretty sure there's no Mexican people at all in Niigata. <laughs> Oh well. Yep. Oh well. So, but none of us went there for the food. To be to be fair, none of us went there for the food. Mm. It was for the all you can drink. Absolutely. Very wise. Very wise. Yeah, not very wise. <laughs> well, this was yeah. not a very good decision last night. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> you seem to have a good life out there. I, I I try to find the little joys that Japan brings me. <laughs> How long has it been since you've been home? Ah, uh, it's got to be, I think the last time was 2017. Oh, wow. It's that long. Yeah, unfortunately. I've been really hoping to get back this year, but I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to make it or not. You, usually about the best time to buy uh, tickets is around right now. 
And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure if I'm going to do it or not. Whenever I have uh, friends who have moved to other countries, their holidays are basically always, they're obligated to go home, uh, mm -hmm. as, as, which, which constitutes their actual annual holiday trip. You know, do you, do you ever yeah. get, do you get to actually holiday? Do you get to go out anywhere and see other places and, or countries, et cetera? Depends. The um, sort of difficulty with the way that my schedule works is usually, even if from my main job, if I have uh, time off, I do a lot of other little side jobs as well. And if my main job is off, I still have those other jobs. And I'm generally too lazy to try to find coverage for those other classes. So I end up usually working through my holiday, which means that I don't end up going anywhere. Um, it kind of sucks. Mm. But every, I try to make a habit of going down to Tokyo once a year. That's cool. Yeah. Is despite it not being that far away from it, where we're about three hours away from Tokyo, it's mm. still quite costly to get down there. One for the mm. transportation, hotel fee, and of course my terrible uh, savings wrecking record <laughs> habit. <laughs> Which yeah, I think we'll move on to that in one moment. I guess my I just wanted to ask: Do you are you fairly well traveled in Japan in general? Have you been to lots of different parts of it? Not not as much as I'd like to. There's a lot mm. more places that I haven't seen yet. But I've been to at least I want to say at least ten different cities around uh, Japan. Mm. The furthest I've the furthest I've been is definitely Kyoto. Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, Kyoto is the furthest city that I've been out to. And then the furthest but, north I've been is uh, Sendai. Those are actually the places that I, I, I went. Cause I, when I went oh, that's over funny. there in 2007, when did I go? 2007, we went to uh, uh, Niigata, Kyoto, and Tokyo as part of like mm -hmm. a 10, 11-day trip. So those are, yeah, those are the three places I've actually been to. What was your favorite place? Um... I guess that there's there's a particular buzz about Tokyo, isn't there? I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's yeah, it, it it's it's pretty incredible. All of it. It's 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 been so long since as I mentioned. I said to my wife just the other day that it's it's reinserted itself on my bucket list because it's just been so long since we've been there. And you know, I think we'd really quite like to to go back to Japan because um yeah it's a yeah there's sort of nowhere really like it is there it's a pretty incredible place so it's yeah. it's pretty different mm. um i did a two week long trip with a old high, high school friend of mine and one surprisingly we didn't end up murdering each other by the end of the two week long <laughs> trip uh <laughs> but i just remember that the five or so days that we spent out in Kyoto, just like being overwhelmed with a, uh, like, like being entranced out there for some, for some reason, like Kyoto just like as cheesy as it might sound, just like kind of stole my heart. 
And like, I always look at that place with the immense fondness, more so even than uh, Tokyo. Was there anything in particular that, that drew you there, drew you towards yeah. it? Or Well, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of a nerd myself, believe it or not. Uh, and <laughs> uh, I think one thing I, I'm always interested in ancient and historical Japan and Kyoto to me is like the perfect meeting of historical Japan meeting modern Japan, sort of them butting heads against each other. Mm. So you have all the, right. the shrines and castles that are littered throughout the city and they're not tucked away. They're stuck right in the middle of the city. And I think I just generally found their, uh, the people I, it, it's so funny because if you ask a Japanese person, they will tell you something completely different. But I found the people in Kyoto to be like way more hospitable and a lot more friendly than the people in Tokyo. You, you mentioned the uh, well, the <laughs> the unwavering record habit. That was what I was going <laughs> to open with because uh, I've, I've I've I was watching a lot of your uh your your reviews and stuff recently you've well, you've had quite a lot of, of output over the last uh say week or two um particularly on your YouTube channel as well you've been mm -hmm. discovering lots of stuff and putting out lots more uh of the the recent record pickups and stuff like that uh you must be very happy with your purchases I take it uh, so far this uh pretty much everything that I've picked up recently I've been really really into I, I, I wouldn't say I'm sort of like completely enamored with it, but I've been pretty happy with a lot of the purchases mm. that I've made so far. Obviously, I knew of uh, like an instrumental hip hop kind of scene, obviously, like I think probably uh, uh, best popularized by guys like Mad Lib or Dilla, et cetera. But um, I've, I've never known anyone other than you that is so sort of immersed in instrumental hip hop and uh producers in that context so it, it it's you know your those roundups that you do sort of really open my eyes to lots of uh stuff i had just absolutely no idea about so it's quite uh, an interesting uh take on contemporary hip-hop because I'm, I'm really a 90s head to be honest that was sort of my peak mm -hmm. uh hip-hop kind of years that i was completely immersed in it so i actually buy very little contemporary hip-hop um, I, I think the only two uh, that I've probably got this year are two that you've talked about a lot, which is the Mad Lib and uh, Freddie Gibbs Bandana. And the other one I bought this year was the Anderson Pack uh, Ventura album, which is oh, so good. Yeah, no, I, I really like that Anderson Pack album. The Mad yeah. Lib one, I'm sort of wavering on a little bit, actually. Already, you'll know. Since I did the review, <laughs> since I did the review for it, I haven't listened to it at all recently. Okay. It could just be that I'm bogged down with other stuff and then I go back and listen to it and discover that I love it again, but it's sort of been pushed out of my memory right now. But that happens all the time with uh that happens all the time with the music that I'm listening to because I'm just constantly listening to music and specifically mm -hmm. because I'm listening to a lot of stuff to review it later. I'm constantly listening to a lot of albums over and over and over again. And then yeah. once I've done the review for it, I just sort of put it in the shelf or kind of push it to the back of my memory and kind of forget about it for a while, which actually does end up kind of working 
to its benefit in some instances, because I think in that regard that sometimes I uh, end up coming back to a record later and then even after I've forgotten about it, I'll come back to it almost with a fresh set of ears, hear it again and be like, oh, wow, that was actually really good. Yeah. It's terrible when you buy too, when you buy more or when you're consuming more than you can keep up with, you know, and yeah. you almost forget you've got certain things or you just don't give a certain record the time to, you know, to really appreciate it and digest it and learn it. And you've already got to move on because you've bought a, <laughs> like five, six albums. And then that process just keeps, <laughs> keeps on going. So you kind of miss some of the stuff that you've got. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you mean by that. That, that yeah. You pretty just described me to a T right there. <laughs> it's funny. Cause I, I guess guys like the way we, you know, have sort of directed our, uh, our fandom with with music in terms of like radio uh yourself with reviews and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's it's kind of when you listen to a new album are you mentally dissecting what you can do with it in terms of oh i'll play that no i won't play that i'll play this one uh, and you kind of listen to an album from the context of radio in terms of what you can play what you want to play as opposed to just listening to the whole album because i kind of dissect albums a bit too much Mm-hmm. which kind of bugs me <laughs> it depends on it, it depends on where i'm at because i i know exactly what you mean if i'm in the process of putting together a, a mix a lot of times that i'll i'll be listening to a record and then one song or transition for the dj mix where i can't figure where uh where i want it to go or what's the missing piece to the mix i'll hear a song and it'll be like that's what I was looking for. Right. But in, yeah. in general, in general, not so much. Like you usually I'll just kind of listen to it as if I was listening to uh, any other piece of music, but usually around the time right up when uh, I'm about to record a raw select radio and I'm started, uh, panicking in a cold sweat trying to think of what I'm going to play this time. <laughs> uh, usually I'll hear like one or two songs and that'll inspire me and get me going. The The worst times are usually where I haven't uh, been really listening to my records and I'm trying to jump back into doing a Raw Select radio show. And I think I've mentioned this before, but we... It doesn't matter how many records you have if you can't look at your collection and know what you want to play at any given moment. And I've had right. ex- the existential crisis of looking at my record collection and being like, what am I going to play today? <laughs> and just being completely dumbfounded by looking at all the records that I have. How much How much planning, actually? I, I, oh, this is a good question. How much stuff do you... How much is, of it is planned before you start recording are you do you have a list of like say 20 songs and that's what you're going to play or are you are you going with the flow and and just seeing how things work out when you when you start recording how how, how planned are you very little the the latter oh, is pretty really? much the mo- most the most indicative like uh wow. i i usually go into it with maybe like five songs or have 
one song in the back of my head. It was like, this is a song that I want to make sure that I fit in here. And the rest of it is just, uh, it, it's completely free form. There will be occasions where I will have a song that I've played in one of my old DJ mixes. And I will, when I play that song, it'll immediately jog my memory. It's like, oh, I, I know a pretty good song that fits with this. And in that case, then it's just sort of pre-programmed and uh, running through my paces. But in general, no, I uh, do it complete with, completely without a set list, which is why you hear wow. me stammering most of the time through my <laughs> I meticulously have a set list. I, I, yeah, everything is, is planned. Planned. I used to, That's because you're a yeah, professional. Well, no, no, it's not. Prof- I don't. I don't think that that's. I think it's. I don't know. In a weird way, it's. It's. I think it's the opposite, to be honest, because I've. I've done live radio with. Um, with guys who have done it for years and years and years, and uh, uh, a really good friend of mine uh, named Curly CJ, who used to, you know, he was on pirate stations. He was on Kiss FM over here, which is a bigger, uh, much bigger commercial station. He. Um, he had a whole bunch of records he would just bring in a bag and he used to have a slot that followed me mm-hmm. and he he knew what was in it he'd get about 50 records in there but and he oh and he'd know what his first record was but after that it was just go with it just and go with go with the flow and that's i think there's a there's a huge amount of confidence in that the idea of that it's improvising in that context just petrifies me I don't think it's experience at all. It's just like, oh my gosh, to to wing it in that respect. Oh my gosh. Well, I'd say for radio, it seems like it would make more sense to program it ahead of time so you know what you're going to be talking about. If you're just doing a straight DJ set, then yeah, I would lean more towards what your friend was saying or how your friend approached it. Yeah. Whenever I do a, uh, whenever I play out around Niigata, I, I never plan my sets. Yeah. I imagine that would be a pretty difficult thing. Obviously, if you you if you commit to it in your head and the people aren't responding in the yeah. way that you thought they would, you can't continue down that path, right? Yeah, sometimes you do have to abandon. <laughs> <shit like> that. <laughs> it's so funny! It's so funny you mentioned that. Uh, the last DJ set that I did uh, two weeks ago, in my mind, and it could have been the sh- tequila shot talking. I thought I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I, I thought it was amazing. It was actually one of the like the best mixed sets that I've done in a while. But there weren't that many people there to begin with. And I, for about 20 minutes, it seemed like people were really into it. And my record bag was behind me. So I had to turn around to gra- grab a record. And as I put the record on the turntable, I look up and I was like, where did everybody go? <laughs> this was already a pretty empty room, but... So my, my mind starts thinking of like multiple, uh, <laughs> multiple causes for that. It's like the first thing that my mind drifted to is like, did I just piss that many people off? I <laughs> well, think my set was that far out there. Well, that's what happens when you play Whitney Houston, dude. It's just not going to vibe like you like you thought it would. It's always a crowd winner. <laughs> I will always love you. That time is gone, man. <laughs> you end the <laughs> night with that. <laughs> Do you remember what you played out of interest? Or uh, it was a instrumental hip hop set, right? 
So it's sort of in line with what everybody else was, what everybody else was doing. But I think uh, as my friend came over to came over to me in the middle of my set, uh, are you familiar with the word hentai in Japanese? Oh right, yes. Yeah. Oh dear. So it's not it's not only just for like sexual perversion, but it it just means someone who. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it just means pervert. Why would he call so, you that? He was calling my set that, the music. That oh, I my God. Use. Okay. <laughs> That's the official title of this, this episode. I oh, think, great. This we're, going, we're going with that. <laughs> nah, that seems like, a, seems like a pretty appropriate title. I think so. Oh, I think so. <laughs> Oh, speaking speaking of uh, uh, podcast episodes, you have ventured, you have extended the Raw Select brand. I was really keen to talk to you about this, but you've extended mm-hmm. the Raw Select brand from radio to uh, to website to uh, YouTube channel reviews. You've extended it now to the world of podcasting. Congratulations, yes. welcome. How's Thank it you, going? <laughs> uh, I mean, hopefully, I'd like to get another episode up at some point but well, yeah well in fairness what happened to you released episode two and i thought <laughs> oh God, I, I missed episode one and i couldn't yeah. find it because i didn't want to go episode to one number doesn't two. Exist, not looking for it it's sitting that on is... it's sitting on my heart my portable hard drive it, it may or what? may not eventually <laughs> see the light of day at some point okay so here's the question why would you just why would you Reveal, why would you uh, uh, release episode two and call it episode two? Why wouldn't you call it episode one? Because I'm such a troll. That's why. <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. You had me looking for it for oh, a while. Oh, sweet. I'll tell my friend that. <laughs> I know, but then, thankfully you say it quite early uh, in the episode. You press, you know, I'm listening to episode two and you're like, yeah, episode one hasn't come out yet. I thought, oh. Yeah, Uh, troll, that's a good word, yeah. So the whole thing with the, uh, like, the raw select name is that, like, everything is very unpolished, it's very unproduced, it's not very professional. (laughs) And I I felt like, starting with episode two, on top of the fact, that was so funny. That That was uh, really good. The person that I recorded the podcast with, which I'm hoping to do another episode with again sometime soon, he plays his own mu- he plays his own music as he mentioned in yeah. uh, the episode. He's a very he's a high quality uh musician. But for whatever reason whenever we try to do something like this that guy always uh, I'm trying swearing okay? Can I swear? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, that motherfucker forgets always <laughs> forgets something. <laughs> <laughs> you should shout him out uh, we need a name uh shout out to tom <laughs> aka tazer go check him out on his soundcloud which i believe if you just give me a second look him up real quick but i believe his soundcloud is yeah t-a-s-r-u he's got a couple of albums out does sort of uh Ambient electronic indie pop. Mm. 
I, I looked it up after the episode. It was very, very cool stuff. He was really cool, uh, I thought, um, on the podcast. You were both great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was the episode yeah, where you guys really asked. Cool, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, he he, yeah, he did. Uh, cool he was very comfortable <laughs> as well talking. Do, yeah. It made me uncomfortable how comfortable he was. And I thought, has he been doing yeah. this before? Rundown of like your favorite 2019 releases thus far. You know, some great picks. Mm. Tom blew me out of the water with the uh, the picks that he had. What was the one he picked? Uh, I forgot the name. Helado Negro? I believe so. Yeah, that sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, that was a great song. That was a great song. That, Your that pick for the... Yeah, yeah. I hadn't... I, I, I had heard the name. But I hadn't heard that song. And I thought, wow, that's made it on the list of things to mm. explore further. But that was a great pick. Your Mark the Clive Lowe, again, was a brilliant pick as well. Yeah, I've actually been going back and listening to it a lot recently and hopefully that will be one of the next reviews that I do coming up. I kind of, I had in my head for the longest time that I was going to follow through with this idea of intersplicing the review with uh, shots around Niigata. I just got too lazy and just figured, all right, I'm just going to do a review of it. (laughs) But that would have been great. Oh, it would have been great because it really fits with the overall atmosphere of that record. But I, I can't be bothered. Can't be arsed, if you will. <laughs> I can't be arsed. Very good. What, what what kind of, I mean, where do you see the podcast? What kind of, what's it uh, uh, like an avenue for? Are there kind of things that you want to uh, uh, particularly portray in there or explore musically? What are you kind of? hoping to sort of do with future episodes honestly because uh tom the guy that i did the podcast with we we end up drinking a lot together as well and inevitably (laughs) we end up talking about music at some point and a lot of what i was thinking to do as far as whenever i do the podcast with him would be like one of our random conversations just recorded so talking about like uh I was having a conversation with some friends on Friday about uh, we, are, is it a greatest hits band, yay or nay, something like that. So, like, you don't have to listen to the albums; just you, you're fine with just the greatest hits, right? Or who were some contenders? Uh, I threw Aerosmith in there. I don't think you actually have to listen to an Aerosmith album. You're fine with just. Uh, just the greatest hits. Agree, yeah. disagree there. Uh, well, I've, I've I know a lot of Aerosmith singles, but I've never listened to an Aerosmith album. There so you I, go. I don't there you know. Go. So, yeah, so I'm not entirely sure. I couldn't think of, uh, so I don't know any album tracks that I would argue against, if you know what I mean. I also threw uh, Queen out there because oh. Queen's albums are kind Queen's albums are kind of rough. Are you wow, you've explored the like the albums. You're a fan? Queen? Uh I, yeah. I used to have on from my dad's collection, uh, it was a tape of uh A Night at the Opera, I believe. And it's uh it's pretty out there. You you'd be surprised. Some of the old uh like actual album tracks were very, very uh progressive in the progressive rock sense of the word. Mm. Yeah, they're quite a. I don't know. I don't know if anything could surprise me, to be honest. 
from Queen mm. in terms of when you think of the singles that they've released, mm. it's just it could be anything really. Yeah, I suppose if it was in, if they did an, an instrumental hip hop album, that would surprise me. But other than that, it could go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know the uh, the prospect of a instrumental hip hop <laughs> Queen album could be the most disastrous, awful thing ever conceived by man. Well, yeah, I don't know. But I just, don't. <laughs> just sort of random conversation topics. One idea that I've been, I've been floating around a couple of ideas in the back of my head. One being uh, talking about sort of your lifelong, talking about lifelong musical uh, progression influences throughout the years. Because for whatever reason, it's a topic that I've been ta- thinking about for a while. I've been uh, mulling over doing favorite Japanese artists and songs. Because Tom oh, nice. is way more knowledgeable in that regard than I am. Mm. And I thought that would be a great way to sort of introduce to an audience of people some Japanese songs that maybe you wouldn't associate with Japan or you wouldn't know without someone sort of guiding you there. Mm. What kind of genres would you be going in jazz and instrumental? Probably, mo- probably mostly rock in that sense, because that's wow. the sort of stuff that uh, mostly the sort of stuff that Tom's into. So, if uh, you can take if you take anything away from this pod, pod uh, this podcast today, I'd highly recommend if you've never listened to them, check out Happy End. Happy End. Okay. There's a song called uh, Kaze O. And O is W O Atsumete, okay. like the warm wind, basically. Right. If you've never listened to it, it's probably like the best sort of chilled out, lazy afternoon sort of uh, Japanese song ever. And I think it's the song that closes out uh, uh, "Lost in Translation," if memory serves me right. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, shoot. I should have picked that as my uh, closing song for today. We haven't got there yet. You still absolutely. I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm already. I'm not regretting my decision, but I I, I feel like, in terms of introducing a, a song to an audience of people, maybe that would have been the better one. But yeah, definitely check out that uh, happy end song. Right. I will do. I haven't seen Lost in Translation for, jeez, gosh, long, a long, long, long time. But uh, yeah, I will definitely be looking that one up after this conversation. Yeah. All right, so. What was your pick for, just before you said about the Japanese uh, musical uh, bands, you, you, before that one, you said something like most influential artists or something. Was that right? Not influential artists, but sort of charting the uh, your musical progression. Mm-hmm. from like your formative years to now like what band led to what band what led to what band how oh, you that's got brilliant. into right. different types of music that's a really cool question yeah so i i kind of wanted to see how it worked with uh my worked with my friend or with any basically with anybody because i can sort of pinpoint uh sort of what band led me to uh, a different style of music. What are some names then for you? Not, not to tread on your, your podcast episode, <laughs> <laughs> but are there any, uh, any, any names that you can kind of think of that led you to something else? 
Yeah, I mean, like for me, my sort of musical upbringing started with Queen. It was the earliest band that I could remember specifically starting mm -hmm. that was took me out of the world of video games and brought me into the world of music as a kid. So start with Queen, which then eventually down the road led to Metallica because I had a metal phase. Wow, yeah, no idea. Yeah, you'd be you'd be surprised. I've listened listened to a lot of different music, uh, which eventually led to listening to Beck. Which how that happened, I still don't exactly remember. <laughs> but Beck sort of, in one way, one way, shape, or another, led to listening to a whole different, uh, so many different styles of music kind of got me into hip-hop and then strangely oh, wow. sort of led to listening to soul coughing which eventually got me into drum and bass wow beck was your gateway to all of that kind of i my i didn't go the route that everybody else did for whatever reason instead of picking up odelay which everyone started with i got midnight vultures beck's right. prince album okay. and that that album was just went off in so many different directions and had so many different sounds attached to it that that uh record i think in a lot of ways sort of informed a lot of the music that i listened to and then cowboy bebop was r directly responsible for me getting into jazz wow whereas everybody's just still talks about the cowboy bebop soundtrack the uh the famous anime i actually as a result of that ended up picking up uh miles davis's kind of blue oh wow and that was my that was my starting my start into the the world of jazz and oh, i still cool. i i still think to this day if anyone's looking to get a foot into the world of jazz that's probably like the best album to start with um well how 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 come i haven't heard the album myself but so what what makes uh, you talk about crimes against music right there uh <laughs> I'll, I'll change it i'll rectify it i'll fix put it, it, put, it down, put it on the list here. <laughs> no i i think it's the it, it's kind of the best of both both worlds when it comes to that sort of hard bop post bop sort of music in the solos on it are great but it's not so shall we say adventurous that it's off-putting but it, it's also not like e it's not easy listening smooth jazz at the same time either it's sort of this nice little middle middle ground between free jazz and smooth jazz when it when it comes when it comes to jazz generally what sort of stuff do you usually listen to oh man um it's kind of all over the place. Uh, I, I, I really, I have a real tendency for contemporary stuff at the moment. Uh, well, I have done for the last couple of years. I've not, I have, I have all the stuff uh, which I adore and love, but I'm, I'm not finding myself exploring and going backwards too much. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of like, oh, just, I don't, I don't know. I kind of want to be taken by surprise. Uh, I bought a, an album uh, last week, which I'm just head over here was for it's by a group i think they're a, U a uk group called the comet is coming have you heard of them yes yes i've heard of them 
Uh, they have a, a an album I think came, that came out this year, quite early, much earlier this year. Yeah, no, nice. uh, Trust in the Life Force of the Deep Mystery, I think it's called, which is yep. just stunning. It's it's just sort of this record that oozes so much personality and charisma, and I honestly can't scream about it enough. So it's just this kind of I just really want to be taken by surprise from from records, you know. And I, I tend to gravitate towards more vocal. Uh, uh, jazz uh, work, but there's only one vocal, one uh, one vocal track on there out of the eight or nine tracks I think is on the album, and it's just it's a spoken word. Yeah, no, uh, so it's like their uh, 2016 album then too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I just just kind of mind blown by it. Um, but that's you know for for jazz, I kind of went uh, backwards with it because like a lot of people. Uh, that I know in our sort of situation, you know, music fans now, and um, they always talk about growing up in a household where their parents played Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and Gladys Knight, and they had just grew up with that appreciation for it. But I, I never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my my parents didn't listen to music like that, and um, I I ended up just sort of getting into R and B and hip hop in in like the nineties when I was at uni, and then just. <laughs> just sort of getting my heart broken when I realized that so much of it was actually based on samples and then just sort of wanting to explore the samples. And that was kind of where it went for me. That's when I started to go backwards and sort of like, Oh, you know, what's this? And you know, who's Donald Byrd, et cetera, et cetera. And kind of just sort of going backwards. Uh, But that was kind of my route where, and you get those like crossover projects by bands like uh, the RH factor, which was why Hargrove's kind of funk and soul uh, yeah, spin-off I'm project. With the, the it's, it's brilliant. He, he did lots of work on like um, D'Angelo's Voodoo album and uh, Erica Badu's Mama's Gun album. And um, I think he was just really, and Ed Commons, like Water for Chocolate, he plays trumpet on all of it. And I think he just got so inspired by all of it. He made like a, a funk and soul offshoot project and, um, there's two albums and an EP. The first album, I just you know, it's one of the best things I've ever had. It's kind of a pivotal record for me because it was what got me officially into jazz. I think that was the first sort of contemporary jazz album I bought, and I'm like, I'm listening to jazz. This is so cool. But it has D'Angelo on it, Erica Badu, Q-Tip, Common. They're all on the record, so uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a brilliant release. But yeah, I kind of went that route. I see. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. a lot of that sort of stuff came for me later because I gotten into uh, some of the sort of classical blue note stuff. I was never like 100% all in on it, but I, I definitely had some uh, favorite blue note records for a while. Mm-hmm. Then as a result of sort of getting into funk music, started getting into some sort of jazz funk sort of stuff, which is with a lot of the uh, the stuff that uh, you hear on Raw Select Radio. And a lot of that was informed by what used to be the world's greatest music publication, Wax Poetics. Their, right. their older articles are still absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. And if it exists on uh, online, because they have started uploading some of their older articles just up to their website that are free to read. There's a great uh, interview with a lot of people that were attached to Jay Dilla and sort of 
telling Jay Dilla's stories through the people that were around him and knew him best. And it really makes for a very interesting read. Wow. So if I can find it, I'll see if uh, I, I'll, uh, if I can find it, I'll send it to you. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'll try to look it up myself. It sounds cool. Yeah. What other current jazz stuff are you listening to? I know Mark the Clive Lowe is something that's, um, you mentioned uh, a lot, obviously, but is there anything else at the moment? I can't think of um, any of well, the that, that, reviews or anything. Well, that's been the funny thing since a lot of usually what it usually what ends up happening is uh, especially now that the DJ gigs have started picking up again. Uh, usually the records that I'm listening to are usually related to uh, whatever DJ gig that I've been doing. That's why you've been seeing a lot more hip hop reviews on my channel and right. primarily a lot of the stuff that I've been buying is uh, stuff that I'm probably going to play out at a DJ DJ gig. In terms of the modern jazz stuff, uh, it's been it's pretty much stopped since Mark to Clive Lowe, to be honest. I haven't really been picking up a lot of the, the modern jazz stuff as much as I have in years past, but looking forward to the new Joe Armand Jones record, which I think comes out later oh, this yeah. month. Then Kiefer's got a new album coming out, which I'm actually looking forward to. Then uh, that that pretty much everything the the jazz department. I haven't picked up that Comet is Coming album, which I probably should. Yeah, I really recommend that. Yeah. And then I ended up it, because I I was sort of in a lull in terms of uh, releases coming out at the moment. I decided I was been eyeballing it for the longest time instead of uh buying a better pair of speakers for uh my room or saving up to replace one of my turntables it's like hmm 120 bucks yeah i'll I'll buy a eight lp box set for no reason Well, uh, 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 an individual artist, say LPs? Yeah, no, it's an uh, individual artist box set. It's uh, Bubble, oh, wow. Bubba Thomas and the Lightman. And I've been eyeballing this box set for the longest time because one of the records in the box set, you cannot purchase without getting the box set. The other records in the box set are available individ- individually, but there's only one record that was available through a vinyl subscription service. And one of the tracks from that album absolutely blew my mind. And I was like, I need this record. <laughs> so I, I saw that there's nothing that there was nothing on the horizon for a little while. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll just blow a bunch of money on this record. <laughs> I'll blow. Sorry, I should say I, I'll blow a bunch of money on this box set for just one record. Wow. So you Worth look it. forward to that on yes. coming up on Raw Select Music YouTube. Raw Select well, you'll have to, yeah. yeah. That was <laughs> the worst sales pitch I think I've ever done. You'll have to milk every avenue you can from that purchase. <laughs> so, but I, I am looking forward to it. Some of the other records in the uh, in that in that box set sounded pretty good. So looking i'm looking forward to getting in getting into that 
Oh, that sounds excellent. I hope you uh, thoroughly enjoy it, all eight. I probably will. LPs, yeah. Jeez. Wow. Something else I was hoping to talk to you is that you've joined the the Four Corners uh, 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 lineup, which is really exciting. So in uh, September, uh, beginning of this month, we had our first Four Corners episode, which is a show, uh, as you know, which basically takes a one-word theme and gets four uh, blue and green radio presenters from different parts of the world to present 30 minutes uh, on on said theme, interpreting it however you, they, uh, uh, deem fit. So we had time, uh, which kicked off this uh, hopefully monthly series, and I thought that went brilliantly. Uh, we've picked the theme of fear, for uh episode two which i think sounded great but it's actually really hard i think anyway but you oh no uh, it, it, you steamed it, right it definitely through. was a little bit tricky yeah um you steamed right through and you've um uh, how was how was the process for you um actually surprisingly it was done all in one evening but i had had several of the tracks sort of uh, picked out in my mind uh, before even I had started recording. That was one of the few times where I was already sort of sorting the records in my collection. And surprisingly, that opening uh, barrage of uh, instrumental hip hop, all of that was chosen. All of that was mostly chosen on the spot. So the later tracks, oh, wow. The, the later tracks like the bad, bad, not good. The uh, Wait, how much of this should I actually reveal to the audience right oh, now? Yeah, we should maybe keep it a little bit of suspense. You're right, because this yeah. is that episode will lay on the 1st. Uh, its first play will be on the 1st of October. But the, um, late, the and, later tracks yeah. in my 30-minute uh, segment, they were all... Uh, they were all, all pretty much chosen before I even started recording. And all the right. stuff that was in the beginning was partially like in the back of my head but most of it was just like throw on a throw on a song and then instinct sort of kicks in and it's like oh yeah i know exactly what to play after that so a lot of it is just because i've been doing a lot of instrumental hip-hop and listening and practicing with these records for uh for a while now so they're sort of ingrained in my mind and i know most of them like right off the top of my head at, at the moment that's uh, that's quite surprising actually i'm quite surprised that uh, uh, uh they were they were they came to you in that in that context that's really interesting yeah again i couldn't have done that that would have inspired fear no pun intended <laughs> i i think i i picked some i picked some of the records out before mm. i i had started recording but um like i said most of that that opening that opening barrage of tracks was uh, sort of decided on the spot, or at the very least, I um, sort of sequenced them, sequenced them on the spot. So, so you're a pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mixing's not quite <laughs> as good as I'd like it to be. Yeah, you're getting back into live mixing now, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been actually in the process of. From next month, after two year after two years of not doing it, uh, actually getting back into putting together my own event again, which was Raw Select Sunday. 
Oh man, wow. So hopefully I'll get some uh, vlog footage of that and lo- upload that to my YouTube so you can I'll definitely. see one of Niigata's fine underground music establishments. Do you have a, it picked out at a certain venue or will it rotate? Yeah, no, the ven- venue's already picked out. I'm just trying to... I forgot the absolute frustration that comes with trying to organize an event by way of uh, getting getting the DJs and stuff and trying to remember this person doesn't like this person, so I can't. Oh. <laughs> Is so it that intricate? Oh, man. It, it can be. Niigata is such a small scene that, uh, in general, everybody does get along, but there are some people that absolutely refuse to work with other people, so you can't mix them. Other people on your list? (laughs) Not not really. I'm generally... The only thing that I was hoping to do with this event was just to get a bunch of friends together and really focus on getting music selection as being the the number one focus, just like really hearing some good music again. I've been out of this for two years for various reasons. And uh, I I don't know what it was. I think it was actually when I made the, uh, the mix CD or the 30 minute mix that I had sent to you that sort of inspired me to do this again. Oh, wow. Because before when I was doing uh, doing an event every other month before every event, I would make a new mix to coincide with those, with those events. So I think it sort of, uh, got rid of some of the cobwebs and reminded, uh, brought up some nostalgic feeling of, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember what it felt like to do this. There's a lot of joy and pain that goes into that. Is it quite difficult to put together then? The the mixes, yes. The the mixes t- <laughs> either come together really smoothly, or it's me bashing my head against the wall until I eventually uh, get an idea that works. Mm. So it, it always depends on uh, it. It always depends on how smoothly the track selection comes together. Yeah. For example, I've been working on a uh, I've been working on a DJ mix for over a year now. Wow! And it's all because I can't figure out uh, a progression that makes sense. I've been toying around with it. I've been toying around with it for the better part of a year, and every time that I come back to it, I'm always like, "This sucks. Why am I doing this? I hate DJing. I'm going to go play video games. <laughs> Fuck this. Fuck everything." As you can see, I'm a very mature adult. Don't give up on it, though. No, 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 no. I mean, I, 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 much like everything, I go through moments of frustration and then come mm. back to it. That's very cool. Well, look, I mean, if the the one that you sent over that we, uh, you kindly let us use for a uh, an episode of From Here to There, uh, that mm-hmm. that mix you sent over was was fantastic, and uh, I certainly hope you uh, will continue uh, embracing you know, that, that desire to, 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 to mix in that fashion. Yeah, no, I, I definitely want to get back in and definitely want to get back into mm. it. That mix inspired me. And hopefully I will, uh, I can manage my time correctly. I would like to actually expand that thing into a full hour because there were a lot of songs that I just left off 
my friend who asked me to put the mix together basically said, you got two weeks to put it together. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And the fact that only 10 people showed up to an e- showed up to the event sort of is like, well, that was kind of... Uh, no, they were the your, lucky ones, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the, one of the best Japanese expressions you'll ever learn. Multi nai. It means what a waste. No. <laughs> they were the lucky ones. They were talking about it, dude. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they. I, I'm hoping they were. I still haven't listened to because uh, it was a 30 minute mix split in half with uh, another DJ that um, also plays at the event, and I haven't listened to his set yet. And I'm actually really curious what he put on there. And coincidentally, he was the same guy that I was talking about in the uh, the last episode, in the last time we talked. Mm. Uh, that released his album on cassette. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Does he have? Hold on, hold on. Give me two seconds. I believe he has a SoundCloud, but it doesn't seem like he uploads anything anymore. Yeah, that cassette thing is, is unusual. I'd be curious to know how much he sold. Like, did he, did he meet expectation, or uh, was it like, oh look, that um, that didn't go as well as I hoped. I, based on his character, I don't think he cares. To be honest. <laughs> he's, a, he's a pretty care. He's a fairly carefree individual. That's cool. Yeah, no, he's what he's one of my uh, he's one of my favorite people in town. Which is why for this next event that I'm putting together, I'm totally bringing him on board. Oh, that's brilliant! So that'll be fun. So hopefully, I I can work up the nerve to actually shoot vlog footage of that. Yeah, man, getting on ca- getting on camera in front of people in like do it like I've said before, doing it in the comfort of my r- room, not a big deal. Doing yeah. it out in public is a totally different ordeal. Yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, I, I even uh, for me talking in alone in a room is fine, but talking mm-hmm. with another person in the room is petrifying. Yeah, I should say as regards to radio, not just normal conversation. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's yeah, I completely understand. I mean, even being on camera, it makes me uncomfortable, even if it was just me alone. But the idea of of presenting in front of people is oh, geez, petrifying. Yeah. So I, I, I you can look forward to I I I have to kick myself in the ass in order to do this. Um, so every year, the one of the guys that I was uh, that I work with with that event that I was telling you about earlier in this episode. So every year they always invite down this guest from Sendai, a uh, guy named Grooveman Spot, and kind of funny, kind of a funny story. Uh, so that friend, his name's Show, split off from uh, the old group that he used to be a part of to do his own event. And this whole year since March, I've been wondering and thinking is like, well, for the last three, four years, we've been inviting this guy from Sendai. And I was wondering if it was going to happen this year. And he was like, nah, it's too expensive. And probably his loyalty is to that event that I split off from. And then in August, he got a phone call from the organizer of the event that he used to be a part of. And he said, and he was telling my friend, 
the organizer was telling my friend, was like, yeah, Grooveman Spot is coming to town, who's the guest. Uh, and he has asked for you and Sean specifically to play with him at Ooh. the event. So are you guys going to do it or what? So I've got that coming up on Saturday, next Saturday, and I'm really looking forward to it. Amazing. So that that's my run in with the uh uh the the sort of top tier professionals in uh in Japan. That, which, yeah, that is incredible, yeah. You've you've played with top with uh you played out with Toshio Matsura though once, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that, that happened by that was complete and total happenstance. Cause it happened once and it never happened again. One of my one of my friends that I know or a person that I know in Niigata does a lot of organizing of events and he was putting a party together. He told me, uh, this guy, Toshio Matsuda, who like everybody knew except for me, I felt so out of the loop on that. How long Uh, ago was that? That was last year. Oh my gosh. You didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. It it was so funny, right? It it was so, it was so funny. Like I didn't even know that basically he's uh, the Japanese Giles Peterson, more or less. Right. Sort of treated as such too. He's uh, actually part of uh, Giles Peterson's. uh, What is that? Worldwide Worldwide. radio. That's right. Yeah. 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 So he's basically the, uh, the Japanese wing of that. So DJing with Toshio Matsudo is kind of, it was kind of a thing. It was kind of kind of interesting. So Toshio Matsuda started up his set. Everybody was really into it, and it was a tiny space that could only fit about fifty people comfort comfortably, and there were about seventy people there. So everybody was just sort of bouncing off of each other. But as the evening progressed, and it was spo- the event was supposed to end at about two o'clock. As the evening progressed, people would start to leave. And every time that the event was supposed to finish, he would start up again. And I think there were like three false endings to the event. It was basically like watching Return of the King. You think it's over. And then it, it, and it's like, nope, nope, no. Nope, here's the third epilogue. And he got on the mic every time to say, oh, yeah, thank you very much for coming. Hope you enjoyed it. This is going to be my last song. And he would play his last song. And then he'd throw on a drum and bass track and get everybody going again. <laughs> <laughs> so what time did, it, did he eventually finish? I eventually finished at four. Oh, my God. And by that, time, by that time, he was so wasted that when I finally got a chance <laughs> to talk to him at the end of the night, he was giving me this long, overextended uh, spiel about wanting to speak English more. And then the organizer came up to me, cut me off. And he's like, Sean, it's time to go home. Stop <laughs> talking to him. Because apparently <laughs> Toshio Matsura is notorious for it. Once you get him going, it's impossible to stop him from talking. Oh, wow. So it's pretty customary whenever there's a guest or artist before the event that you go drinking beforehand. And I found out later from talking to the organizer that he just talks nonstop and there's really no way to stop him. But wow. 
Yeah, no, Toshio Matsuda is a really, really, really nice guy. He's also a phenomenal DJ, too. He doesn't really do much in terms of mixing, but his track selection is just spot on. Oh, wow, that's cool. Have you checked out his uh, his worldwide gigs at all? No, unfortunately not. It's, everything's mm-hmm. in Tokyo, and none of that oh, stuff really that gets up here. And I was really hoping that the organizer would push in that direction again, but he's gone on to do more sort of pop-centric stuff because if you're an organizer, your whole thing is to uh, not really push for artistic value. You're mostly trying to make money at at the end of the day, so can't really fault him for that. But actually, this is one that uh, I... Don't think I've mentioned before in other in uh, in other interviews. Did I tell you that I hosted an event for Tall Black Guy? No. Wow. I'm surprised that slipped my mind that I never told you about that. Uh, go tell us the now. So, uh, two thousand the end of the year two thousand sixteen. I saw on Twitter that Tall Black Guy was saying that he was. Uh, looking for looking for uh, places places to play out in Japan, and promoters get at him. At the time, I was doing my own event, and I was like, "All right, let me let me just see. Let me just let, let me just see what happens." So I send him a message, just like, "Hey, I'd be looking. I'd be interested in hosting you in Niigata." So he pro- pointed me in the direction of his uh, pointed me in the direction of his tour manager. And started talking to his tour manager, and I asked him how much it would have cost, for reasons I probably shouldn't say how much it ended up costing, but the mm-hmm. original number that he quoted me was like, ooh, yeah, that's way too much. Sorry, I, I th- thank you very much, but I, that that's too rich for my blood. And then he said, well, how much would you be willing to do? I got him down to... Half of what he originally quoted me at. Surprisingly, that was probably the best negotiating that I've ever done. (laughs) Well, it was largely because he said, he said, well, how much would you be willing to do it for? Mm -hmm. And and I was kind of shocked because I wasn't expecting, I was expecting a hard and fast, this is the number, it doesn't change, can you do it or not? Yeah. So, how long ago was this? This was 2017. Okay. Oh, fairly recent. So, uh, got the nu- got the number, uh, th- got the number that I thought was within reason, and he came in March of 2017. Hung out with him. Got to go uh, record shopping with him. Wow. He did a live set, which was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, uh, quick quick little non sequitur, apparently. Tall black guy likes drinking straight uh, straight gin. Okay. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. But the, the, the coolest moment of that entire event was after his set was finished and knowing – that he was going to be going down to uh, down to Tokyo the next day. 
he went back with his tour manager to go uh, go to sleep in his hotel. And then at that time, I think it was like already two or three o'clock in the morning. And about 3.30 rolls around and he comes back and he actually hung out until the end of the event by himself. Oh, wow. And hung out. Uh, one of my friend, one of my uh, near and dear friends that I love DJing with gave him a record as he usually does when he gets loaded. <laughs> and ended up hanging ended up hanging out really 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 chill really chill dude got to uh got to go record shopping with him uh blew his mind with what you know, the picture that I showed you uh that I shot you a while ago the uh sushi picture we went to that same oh, restaurant yeah. before the event and he swore up and down that the food over there was like the best sushi and shit that he'd ever eaten. Have you had to, been able to maintain contact with him at all? No, unfortunately, since then, the uh, I haven't been in contact with his tour manager that uh, since 2017, which uh, – no, 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 that's not right. That, that was 2018. Because he was trying, I, he was doing a tour with House Shoes, and I was trying mm-hmm. to get in on that, and it just never, it didn't work out. And actually, it's probably a good thing that he didn't end up coming to Niigata, because we got hit by a horrendous snowstorm last year. And he kind of would have been uh, pretty screwed if he had made it over here. Uh, look at you, you've dabbled with... Uh... Uh, so, genuinely, some of the greats. Yeah, played with uh, Tall Black Guy. I've met, I've met and talked to Julian Dine three times now. Oh, cool! Two two solo tours, and when he came over with uh, Lord Echo's full band. So I've wow. also talked to uh, Lord Echo before as well. So it, it's generally it, it's kind of one of the few benefits of being. The foreigner that go, the only foreigner that goes out to a lot of DJs and live right. show, DJ events and live shows, because like I'm the face that sticks out, and the majority of people, if they're not a majority of guests that come over, unless they've got their interpreter with them, they don't speak any English, they don't speak any right. Japanese, so they're always happy to see like a uh, foreign face that allows them to speak English, right. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Okay. So that's how you do it. I Ooh. see. I use my white True. privilege to <laughs> white privilege to the fourth pole. <laughs> well, well put. That's good. Thanks. I've been holding on to that one for a while now. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> that's a good end. Um, speaking of ends, because speaking of ends, you've you've wrestled with your decision yes. for a closing song. Have you have you settled on one for uh, us today? Yep, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Stro Elliott's Marvin's Room because nice. if no one's heard it, it's one of Stro Elliott's finest productions of all time. And recently, House Shoes announced that it's getting a vinyl release along with a bunch of other stuff that hasn't made it to vinyl yet. 
And I still regard Stroh Elliott as like one of the best beat makers out there. And funnily enough, the same tour manager who ho- uh, worked with Tall Black Guy also was going to be Stroh Elliott's tour manager because I was working on getting an event put together with for Stroh Elliott. And then um, what ended, and then Stroh Elliott joined the roots. So it was out of his hands. Oh, yes, he did. And so yeah, we were yeah. both like equally bummed out about that. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, happy for him that he joined like the most respectable hip hop band of all time. But mm. uh, at, at the same time, it was like, man, that would have been really cool to host an event uh, for Stroh Elliott in, in Japan. Because definitely at that time, that before the whole sort of wealth of knowledge that I have now of all the different beat makers out there. I held Stroh Elliott as like this guy is the king right now, and I I still think he's one of the best beat makers. And the choice, going back to what I was originally talking about before I started rambling mindlessly, <laughs> uh, I, I like I was saying, this track is I think one of Stroh Elliott's finest productions. I think it does a great job of using the source material which is uh i want you which is one of my absolute favorite martin marvin gay tracks yeah second favorite for me yeah i love it and i I love what he does with it and yeah that i don't really have that much else to say about it other than that i just think it's an I, i think it's an awesome song that a lot of people need to hear Excellent. Yeah, no, I, I managed to catch a few seconds of it. Obviously, you told me beforehand what it was going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard it before, but I, uh, I I pressed play literally seconds before we started talking. And uh, no, it sounded awesome. It sounded great. So I look forward to, to picking up my copy of it um, uh, for this episode right now. Okay. Yep. Thanks so much for your time, dude. As always, I, I thoroughly enjoy hanging out with you. Yeah. Uh, so I very much appreciate your time. No, no, same here. I, I wish we could do it with, uh, we'll, ha- we'll have to do it one of these days with the, the times swapped. I, I do feel a little bit bad for you. <laughs> no, no, not at all. That's, it's my commitment to the cause. Don't worry. <laughs> so it gets you going for a nice, constructive and productive day ahead. So that's all good. That's the hope. <laughs> Uh, congratulations again, I'll say, uh, for the continual expansion of the Raw Select brand. We're obviously thrilled to be on your journey with you. So uh, thanks very much again uh, for allowing us to, to do so. Oh, no, thank you for making me a part of it. I really appreciate it.